Let us pray. Holy Father, once again we come before You and thanking You for Your love that You bestowed upon us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for the operation of the Holy Spirit that opened our hearts and blessed us to be able to apprehend somewhat of this blessed truth. We cannot say that we have comprehended it, for there is so much that we really cannot comprehend. And we realize the richness and the purity of the subject and the depravity and sinfulness of our own nature. We look forward to the day when we shall behold You in righteousness and render praise that is fully acceptable in Your sight. For it is in Christ we ask. Amen. Coming back to 1 John 3, verses... Uh, first, uh, well, the first three verses, we gave much of our attention this morning to that word, behold. Behold. That is to know, to see, to comprehend this love. But notice that it says, behold what manner of love God has toward us. This word manner used a few times, not too many times, but let's kind of get a glimpse of it. First of all, in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I must have the let me check something else I've got something wrong here I know oh no wonder I'm looking in Mark chapter 8 that'll make a difference won't it alright Matthew chapter 8 verse 27 But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds 
and the sea obey him. This is our word manner. In other words, it 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 does it it too has some intensity in it. Now can you just imagine being out in a ship or in a, a boat somewhere, whether it's a small boat or a fishing craft or uh, a huge ocean liner. Doesn't matter, you're in a storm. Wind is blowing, the waves are rowing. And here comes along somebody and he just says, uh, Peace be still. <coughs> and what happens? Everything's calm. It, you know, when you see waves on, a, uh, uh, on water, uh, if there's something making the waves and whatever is making the waves stops, the waves are still going. There's still some current. And you can see the ripple effect uh, that's going on. For example, you can throw a pebble in the midst of a pool of water. Well, the pebble's already stopped. It went down to the bottom, but you still see the waves going and going and going. Well, when the Lord spoke, there was no waves going and going. Everything just immediately was calm. The wind just stopped blowing immediately, instantaneously. No wonder they said, what, manner, what kind of man is this? What manner of man is this? Indicating uh, intensity. All right, in Mark chapter 13, we see the word used again. In fact, it's used twice here. As he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said unto him, Master, we uh, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. In other words, look at these great stones. Look how big they are. Alright, Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. I want to start in verse 26, but our word is found in verse 29. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. 
Now, what if you were sitting at home and all of a sudden an angel appeared and started talking to you? Well, you'd probably say, what in the world is this all about? What manner of salutation is this? What's going on here? See, even the word manner that's used here uh, in these verses and in First uh, John 3, 1, it, it, it's a, a word of intensity. Not just some casual, well, what, what kind of thing is that? Now, what kind of thing is this? What manner of man? Dropping on down in Luke to the seventh chapter. Verse 39. And when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. You know, the Pharisees were so uh, uh, self-righteous, they not only you know, didn't want to touch a lot of things and didn't want a lot of things to touch them, sometimes they didn't even want the shadow to to fall on them. Afraid they get contaminated. And here, uh, this woman, this notorious sinner, came in and, and uh, uh, stood at Jesus' feet and anointed His feet uh, with her tears and wiped uh, the feet with her hair. And they said, what kind of what's he doing letting this kind of woman touch him? What manner a woman is you know, she's a notorious sinner. All right, second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. Starting in verse 10, a word is in verse 11. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Now we have looked at all the times... This word, this Greek word, is used in the New Testament. And you can see it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a word of force. It's not just something casual. So I would like for us to look at the manner or the kind of love that God has bestowed upon us. Now, some of these places 
I have a couple of verses of Scripture. Most of them, I only have one verse of Scripture. Uh, but we can, we can see that we could use a whole bunch of verses for each one of the points. But I've got uh, uh, a, few, a few points here. Uh, and, and first of all, we can see what kind of love is it? First, it's eternal love. Eternal love. Look at John 17. What manner, what kind of love has God bestowed on us? Eternal love. John seventeen twenty three. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am, that they may behold My glory which Thou hast given Me, for Thou lovest Me before the foundation of the world. So here we see that God's love upon us not only is eternal in the fact that it was before the world began, but He loves us just as much as He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? You say, well, I sure don't feel like it. Well, we may not feel like it, but whether we feel like it or not, it's still true. It's still true. You know, uh, two people, uh, you know, a man and woman, they meet each other, and as the, the old, as the saying goes, they fall in love with each other. And that new love that they have with each other, I mean the emotions are quite stirred up. Quite stirred up. Would to God that our emotions, our spiritual emotions, would be quite stirred up as we think about Christ's love for us. Now think about it a moment. When did God start? He never did. And there was never a moment of some time in eternity past that God said, well, I think I'll love Jimmy Barber. 
or put your name there. There never was a time that God began to love you. He loved you as He loved Christ. Just as long as God had a being, you were in His love. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Not only did He have the love, He bestowed it upon us. He could have loved us loved us, and never told us about it. Well, we're not talking about the, the to- be, being told yet. We're just talking about the love. You know, Jeremiah 31.3 said, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. You know, we can... Think about people that we have known in the past, that we met them and learned to love them. You ladies, you learn to love some before you ever saw them the children that you carried in your womb. You you hadn't seen them. You didn't know what they were going to look like. But you loved them. You loved them. Not like this generation today when they want to slaughter while they're still in the womb. And now they're wanting to pass laws that after they're already born, they can kill them. I mean, we live in a murderous society. There's no love there. Nothing but hatred and malice. But God loved me. God loved you, beloved. Before there was ever a molecule or a proton or an electron or a neutron, and I think they have it even that broken down smaller now, I forget what they're called. God loved you. What manner of love is that? Astounding. Astounding. I say the words. I think the thoughts. But oh, my heart is so hard and so dry to really appreciate such love. Maybe 
And notice I say maybe. You mothers think about one or any of your children or maybe all of them, but uh, I don't know that we could think about all at, at the same time. Uh, uh, but think of a child that's just been born and that child does not have uh, emotional conscious feelings toward you but you do it. And just as the gap is so wide between your knowledgeable love of the child and the child's knowledgeable love of you, just think how much greater God's love of us and the gap of our love to Him. What manner of love? Father has bestowed upon us. You know, you have that little child in your arm, seemingly so innocent, seemingly so sweet, but all some of them can grow up to be such tyrants. And while there may be a huge gap between the parent and the child and their relationship with each other, that parent always has an affinity of love toward the child. But think how much more God has toward us. Think how much more God has toward us. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm made to think about the prodigal son. You know how the story goes. And he leaves home wasted his substance. Can, but when he came back, the father saw him coming a great way off. That father could not have seen his son coming a great way off if he hadn't been looking for him. Today, there might be a Distance between a parent and the son, or a parent and the chi- a child. I'll just, since it was a prodigal son, I'll use, let's just say a father and a son today. And there's a, a breach between them. And for many times, uh, many, a phone rings or a text message comes in. Or an email pops up. Is it from him? Is there any reconciliation? 
looking for it. Looking for it. My beloved, God's love for us is far beyond anything like that. What manner of love? Well, I digress maybe too much. Not only is it eternal, it's an unconditional love. We get a hint of that in Deuteronomy chapter 7 when it talks about God's love for Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 7. Lord, the Lord did not set His love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest. But because the Lord loved you and because the Lord would keep His oath which He had sworn unto the fathers, hath He brought uh, you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, uh, king of Egypt. In Romans 5, 8 says that God loved us when we were ungodly. When we were ungodly. Not only uh, did we have nothing to merit, we were negative in debt. Romans 5, 8 says for but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Beloved, we were not seeking God. We were hating God. And hating everything that, that uh, uh, was related to God when He set His love upon us. Not only, I'm not talking about in eternity past. I'm talking about after we have been born. He commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Eternal love. Unconditional love. According to Titus 3, Verses 3 through 6, it was merciful love. For His great mercy. Titus 3, 3 through 6, For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God appeared toward man, Excuse me, the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then when you look at the next verse, it's a gracious love that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we have an eternal love, an unconditional love, a merciful love, a gracious love. 
But we also have a long-suffering love. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? And then in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then in verse 15, an account, that's Second Peter 3.15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Eternal, unconditional, merciful, gracious, long-suffering. What manner of love? What manner of love? Not only that, according to Malachi 3.6, it is an unchangeable love. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed, because I am God, I change not. God's love is unchangeable. I was trying to find it recently, but there's a song of John Newton that goes something like this. Uh, I won't get the exact quote, I'm sure, but it's talking about that uh, uh, that uh, well, I, I, it all just went out the window. <laughs> uh, in a word, that our salvation is is not more secure, but uh, well, I can't get any of it. But I will say this. God's love is so unchangeable that He doesn't. He will not love you in glory when you're glorified in your resurrected body. He will not love you any more then than He does now. That's astounding, is it not? I mean, much as the analogy can be made between a parent's love and to a child and so on, that love grows. God's love does not. It's unchangeable. Unchangeable. God's love, are you ready for it? God's love is closer to that, us than His love of angels. And I'm talking about the angels that didn't fall. Hebrews chapter 1. Of His angels, Hebrews 1, 7, and of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. 
But then drop down to verse 14. Are they, that is, angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Angels that have a higher nature than we are ministering spirits for us. God loved us and loves us. His love to us is expressed in ways beyond that of angels. Christ didn't die for angels as far as we know. It's a sacrificial love. Romans 8.32 It's a sacrificial love. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He didn't spare His Son any. It's a rich, teeming love. As we read in John seventeen twenty four, how He loved us as He loved Christ. That's rich. I mean, that's a love that is filled up, packed down, and running over. It's teeming. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, where it says, Love never faileth. It's a never-ending love. A never-ending love. What manner of love? Now these, we could, a sermon could be preached on each one of those points. And no doubt there are many other uh, wonderful things that could be said. But what we have said that uh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, what kind of love? It's an eternal love. uh, Unconditional love. A merciful love. A gracious love. Long-suffering. Unchangeable. Closer to us than that of angels. Sacrificial love. Rich love. Never-ending love. But as we've already hinted, He didn't just love us, but He bestowed it on us. He gave it to us. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. It's one thing to be loved. It's another thing for that love to be exhibited and manifested unto us. God didn't just love us. Beloved, He bestowed it. 
He gave it to us. He gave it to us. We are loved by grace. We're not loved by works. We're not loved by merit. We're loved by grace. And that we should be called the children of God. As we said this morning, this word, son should be children, is not to be identified with the sons of adoption with huios. This is the Greek word technon. This is who we are. Sons of God. Sons of God. I was known and by some folks still known as the son of Jimmy Barber, I mean Cecil Barber. Son Cecil Barber. We're designated, we're known as the Son of God, children of God, children of God. You know, I've given this illustration before, been quite a while. I graduated from college somewhat idealistic, uh, sent out, uh, I think, 25 letters to different companies and organizations for employment. I got one. And that was with the State Department of Agriculture for the state of Tennessee. But in order to be hired, one of the qualifications is that I had to be recommended by a political person from the territory of where I was raised. And so, uh, I went to see this well-known person. I didn't know that he was the uh, high up in the political arena that he was in, uh, all I knew was it was just a rich man in the city of Martin at that time that had a well-known trucking company, a truck that went all throughout the nation. So I went to see the owner of this company and walked in and told him who I was and 
things didn't, no bells rang or nothing seemed to click or anything of that nature. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're so-and-so, you're, you're wanting this, you're wanting that, so on and so forth. And then he found out I was the son of Cecil Barber. That's all it took. I, I, I had a, I had a, I had something. I was recognized. Not because of my skills and talents. Not because of my grade point. Not because I had graduated from college. Not because I was a uh, notable person in the community. Not because I was some uh, athlete or some star in the sports uh, arena but because of who my father was. And beloved, we are who we are because of our father, Jehovah. We're sons of God. We're children of God. We're to act like it. I was raised and still instilled in me that I was to live in such a way that I did not bring shame on the family name. My father was well known in the community. He, uh, he was a hard-working man. He quit school uh, when he was in the eighth grade to go and work and hire himself out to make a living to help support his mother and father. He's actually been out at work all day long and come in and have to draw water to bring it in the house while he had brothers and sisters sitting up on the porch all day long doing nothing. But he worked hard. He's well known. And there were two cities, Martin, Tennessee and Fulton, Kentucky, were close to where we lived. We did business in both places. There were two different banks in both of those cities. And my father could go in either one of those banks in either city and borrow money on his own name. That's how good uh, how much he was recognized and and uh, uh, respected. I rode on the coattail of of my father's name. Beloved, beloved, let us ride on the coattail, as it were, of our Father in heaven. We're His children. That's the reason we can 
go boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. We can go to the bank of God and receive benefits because not of who we are, but of who He is. And He's given us this. He's bestowed it upon us. That's what my Father had bestowed on me. He didn't just come up and say, Son, I'm giving you this, I'm giving you that, so on and so forth. I was that by default. I was born in his na- under His name. Born in His family. I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't have anything to do with being born of God. Given. Given freely. Call the sons of God. Designated, surnamed, if, as it were. And I've got some verses on that, but I'm going to stop here because uh, I don't want to just run over this point. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called a child of God. I tell you, beloved, it is a a great honor and a great privilege to be a child of grace. And it's not because of anything we've done. Well, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as the old hymn writer so well put it, what more can be said than what you have said? And even as the Scriptures declare of Solomon, the half has yet been told. Not even the half has been told. In fact, I don't even know how to say what I would like to say to magnify your love that's been bestowed upon us. Would you please take these pitiful words of mine and sanctify the truths that I am endeavoring to explain to the heart and soul of every child of Thine that hears the message. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.